There's something unique about being in a funeral. And I'm going to assume that many of us have been in funerals before. There's something unique about being in a funeral because it forces you uh, to think about life. There's something that happens in a funeral in which it is accepted and expected that we grieve and we mourn and we lament, especially if we have lost a loved one. See, a funeral is a place and a time in which it is acceptable and expected for us to confront the reality of our lives, to remember that we are finite beings, that, the, that it doesn't matter how much we try, what we do, how much we conquer, how successful we are, how healthy we are, at the end of the day, we all going to have to face death. I wonder if this is the reason why Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 says this. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. There is something about being in the presence of death that reminds us that at the end of the day, every single one of us will have to face that destiny. That, that destiny is inescapable. And someone may ask, what does that have to do with Good Friday? And I want to make the argument that Good Friday is like a funeral. It's like a funeral because we remember the ultimate death. We remember the death of our Savior. In other words, this is kind of the ultimate funeral. But not just any funeral, but the funeral of the eternal God. The all-powerful God that allowed himself to be killed. And in that death, he would change the history of the world. Obviously, that this funeral is very different to any other funeral. This is not a finite being dying. This is God Almighty dying in Jesus Christ. But in addition to that, the one thing that makes this funeral different is that we, if we understand it, if we believe in it, not only we get to see what our Lord and Savior was willing to do for us, but at the same time, we find there the one thing that we need to confront our destiny, our death. So tonight what I want to do with you is to share a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 2. It's actually two verses, verses 14 and 15. And look at what the text says. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too share in his humanity. So by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is, the devil. And free those who, who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but this I know. 
that regardless of what you are in your relationship with Jesus, whether you are a Christian already, whether you are exploring Christianity, or whether you really don't like Christianity and you just happen to be here, we all share something in common. We all share the fear of death. To a certain degree and in different ways, that is something we all struggle with. Actually, the text assumes that that's a thing. The text assumes that the fear of death is part of our humanity. This is why at the end of verse 15, he uses the phrase, the fear of death. See, the author of the book of Hebrews recognizes that this is part of what it means to live in a broken world, being a broken human being, living in this time and in this context that we all suffer by this thing called the fear of death. That is a real thing. Even if you pretend that it's not. So what I'm going to argue tonight is not whether or not we all struggle with this. What I'm going to argue tonight is how is it that we should respond in light of this reality? How is it that we should react in, in, in light of this reality? This funeral, the funeral of Jesus Christ, the eternal God sacrificing himself to go to the cross is the ultimate funeral that confronts you with the reality that you too will die. So, as I'm thinking about this, I realize that there are three common reactions or three common attitudes to the reality of the fear of death. And what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want you to make, uh, if it's possible, for you to make your own self-assessment to see if anything of what I'm talking about here applies to you. Because if it applies to you, these are the great news. Good Friday is really good. This is the first reaction, the, fir the first um, attitude to the fear of death. For one, for some people, is to normalize it. It's to talk about death like if it's not, not a big deal. It's to talk about death like if it's normal. It's to say that we shouldn't worry about dying because at the end of the day, we just cease to exist. Is that a good approach? See, I don't think so. I think that it's a denial of reality. I think that it's a denial of the things we go through. I think that it's a denial of the things we feel when we think about death. See, there are many problems with that attitude, but I'm going to give you at least two. To try to normalize death, number one, unintentionally probably what you're doing is you're normalizing pain. And if we normalize pain, then there is no room to grieve. And if we can grieve, then that dehumanizes us. Not being able to grieve, to try to normalize that death is normal, is not a good thing. It makes you less of a human, if you will. And another problem with this attitude, in trying to normalize death, is that we talk about it like if it's normal. There's nothing normal about someone dying. This, this was not God's original design. This was not God's original plan for people created in his image. This is the reason why Tim Keller, when he talks about death, he uses different, different names. He, call, he calls it the great interruption. See, death is a great interruption because it interrupts all of our beautiful relationships. 
It is not normal to lose the people you love. This is the same reason why Tim Keller calls death the great uh, uh, escapism or division. Because it separates our humanity. As human beings, we are both material and immaterial. And when we die, that gets separated or divided. There's nothing normal about dying. Tim Keller calls uh, death the great insult. Why would he call this the great insult? Because there's nothing more offensive than for human beings created in the image of our beautiful creator to become dust. There's nothing normal about dying. He calls it the great enemy. Because regardless of what we do, it is the one thing that you cannot escape. There's nothing normal about dying. He calls, it, he calls death hideous and frightening and cruel and unusual. It is, it is hideous because this, it destroys God's beautiful creation. It is frightening because we cannot escape it. It is cruel because it takes away the people we love. And it is unusual because once again, when you read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, you realize that this was not part of God's original design. This is also the reason why I call death the great intruder. He doesn't ask for permission. He doesn't announce, announce himself. He just shows up and takes the beautiful people we love. So if that's you, please do not normalize death. There's nothing normal about that. A second approach, a second attitude could be to be paralyzed by this, by the fear of death. See, this is kind of a fatalistic um, approach in which we see the reality of death and we are paralyzed by it. The attitude for this group of people is almost to say, might as well give up now because at the end of the day, we're all going to die. The problem with that attitude is that it also dehumanizes you. We're not just surviving here. Our life matters here. Maybe you're not the one that normalizes it. Maybe you're not the one that is paralyzed by it. But then there's one more, which is to, be, to become slaves to it. And I'm going to make the argument that this is the most popular approach in society today. And we can see that played out in three different behaviors. We are either super obsessed with it, or we try to deny it, or we try to repress it. All these three forms are forms of slavery to the fear of death. See, the person that is obsessed with the fear of death is the person that, which, is, uh, which only aim in life is to cheat death or to extend life. A great example of this is a show called Limitless by the Australian uh, actor Christopher uh, Hemsworth. Really interesting show in which they show all these tools and things and practices that we ought to have and do because it will help us. But let me read to you some of the description, and I quote, the goal of this show is to offer fascinating insight into how we can we can all unlock our body's superpowers to fight illness, perform better, and even reverse the aging process. 
I got to be honest, I really enjoyed the show. <laughs> and it was actually really helpful. Except when he talked about reversing the aging process. See, this is a really good actor. Uh, well, I don't know if he's good, but he's good looking. <laughs> and in a few years, he's going to realize that he could do anything except reverse the aging process. And I, and I think about this man. And I think like people like him, and I ask the question, how are they going to be able to handle the reality of death? If you are obsessed with it. And there's no way around it. See, a second form of slavery is to try to deny it. Popular in our culture as well. Is to live if, if, like if nothing is ever going to happen. Is to ignore its reality. Is to pretend that nothing would ever happen to you or the people you love. This is a group of people that would avoid going to the doctor because they are so afraid of what could happen or could be said. This is kind of the ostrich behavior, you know? Put your head in the sand, pretend that nothing else is happening. That's a form of slavery. And the third form of slavery is to repress it, is to repress the fear of death. Why would I say that this is one of the most popular ones? This is where the phrase, you only live once, comes from. Repress it. Let's have a good time. Let's live as good as we can because life is short. You know what the problem is? That at the end of the day, you try all the things that you want to try. You experience everything you want to experience. You try to fulfill your dreams and your desires. You try to distract yourself, but you're going to get home. You're going to turn off the light and the presence of death is still there. Normalizing it is not the solution. Being paralyzed by that is not the solution. Becoming a slave of that is not the solution. There's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way. And this is where Hebrews chapter 2 comes in. Let me read it to you again. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too share in their humanity, Jesus Christ. So by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those um, who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So I'm going to ask a few questions, and I'm going to answer my own questions, if you don't mind. Why would I say that death is not normal? It's so not normal that Jesus had to come and die in our place. It's so not normal that Jesus had to come and die to fix that problem. The second question, okay, that's great. But how does Jesus fix that problem with his death? See, this is the thing. We are afraid of dying because deep down inside we know that we are guilty. See, we are so afraid of dying because we know that we have sinned against him. See, this is why the Bible, when the Bible talks about dying and death, it is the consequence of our sin. So the third question is, okay, great. How does that help me 
with my fear of death? Well, the answer is super simple. Jesus not only comes to die, Jesus not only comes to die instead of you, but Jesus comes to die to break the power of the evil one. So not only Jesus takes the punishment we deserve, but when he did that, he broke the power that the fear of death has over people. You know what I find interesting about that text? It tells you that the devil uses the fear of death to control your life. It's almost like the devil is right behind you and he's going, he's saying, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. And what the Holy Spirit does instead is he also whispers in your ear and says, yes, you will die, but Jesus already won. So the following question is, okay, great. How does Jesus break that power? How is it that we can be free from the fear of death? Not only he died, not only he died for you, not only he breaks the power, but the reason why we know that we can be free is because Jesus not only died, but resurrected. This is the thing, church. Christians are the only people that could both acknowledge that death is our enemy. And yet, we're not afraid of it. Why? Because the only thing that death could do to you is to kill you so later on you become even more beautiful, more amazing, more perfect, more everything that you were dreaming of. Yes, this is a funeral. And it is a painful funeral. But we don't normalize it. We're not obsessed with it. We're not slaves of it. We embrace it. And we embrace it with hope. Because even if we died, that's not the end of the story. See, this is why we have to remember Good Friday. Good Friday is not just a religious celebration. It's the ultimate funeral. The one that tells us that we cannot be controlled by the fear of death. Why? Because Jesus died and he won. Therefore, you die. If you have placed your faith in him, and you will win. You know what's helped me with that? Paul. This is a man that says that for me to live is Christ. And the same man that says that for me to die is gain. Ain't that freedom? That's what you need. That's what I need. Let's pray. Beautiful Savior, we are grateful that when we talk about Good Friday, we're not talking about just a religious thing we do. But we are being reminded that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, died not to keep us from dying, but to break the power of the fear of death in us 
And so we could know that even if we die, there's victory on the other side of death. Lord, I don't know how many of us have been controlled by the fear of death. But I pray, Lord, in this Good Friday that you give us such a picture of what you came to do. That you give us freedom. The freedom to live and the freedom to die. All for your glory. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And we all say...